0: Hello and welcome to the Hoop Troop Podcast. I am Matt O'Connor and joining me as they will on all of our episodes are my cousin Luke Drobner. What's going on? And my brother Mike O'Connor. What's happening? All right. So for those of you following the NBA and if any of you have been living under a rock for a while, you're probably aware that the NBA is officially back. Uh, The players arrived in Orlando this past week. To start the return to play scenarios, everyone's starting to practice, doing the quarantine testing, all that. And I got to be honest, it, it left me here. I'm like so excited that everyone's back. I'm loving the bubble so far. But I just got, I got a lot of questions. I, honestly, I have, I have a lot of questions. So I just want to ask you guys some questions. Let's do it. So I'll start off, I'll start off easy because uh, we'll build to some of the more fun ones. But the first one I want to talk about here is the race for the, the west or the, excuse me, the Eastern Conference 8th Seed. As we discussed earlier, we kind of had our bets that it was going to be the Nets in eighth. But a lot of things have changed. Most of the Nets have decided not to go to the Orlando bubble. And in that same capacity, most of the Wizards, including Bradley Beal uh, and Davis Bertans, have said that they're not going to be going. So it's basically a race for the eighth spot between two garbage teams right now. I call them the replace Nets because the replacements. But between the, the Nets and the Wizards, and now I'll fill you in as well. Spencer Dinwiddie, DeAndre Jordan, obviously Kyrie and Kevin Durant are not going. Wilson Chandler said he's not going for the Nets. They truly are just they're replacement players. You have Karis Levert and Joe Harris and just oh, a heaping pile of, of poo going. Oh, um man. between <laughs>
1: honestly hey, what Jamal it is.
0: Jamal Crawford's not that bad. All right, fine. Between these the two B's, teams, man. who do you
2: think ultimately lands in the eighth spot? Mike, you want to start? Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'll start with this. I don't know if you can hear it loud and clear, but kind of in the same spirit as JJ Redick and Myers Leonard, I'm cracking a Bud Light to talk about the bubble because I'm I'm hey. enjoying the bubble. I'm enjoying the, I'm enjoying the bubble so much. Um, I know it's tough for some of the players, even though it looks like they're having fun. But it's just been exciting to watch. And this race for the eight seed in the in the East, I didn't think I was going to be as into it as I am. But with this Nets team doing what they've decided to do with the postseason or the, the end of this season. I I do think they'll wind up in the eighth spot. I, I think the Magic are solid. I actually think the Magic are really solid. Maybe I'm overbuying the, the Magic, but I think the Magic will obviously get to the seven. And the Nets still have the best two people on the court between the Wizards and themselves, which is Karis LeVert, obviously, and Jamal Crawford. Jamal Crawford is just always going to be good. doesn't matter how he is, is. Is Jared Jer- wow. Allen going? jared allen is still
0: going uh um, yeah, oh, nick, Cla- I, nick claxton I, is not going yeah, but yeah generally speaking i will say we are getting gypped here because i was so excited and i honestly i made all these notes at the beginning of the week and then tragedy struck the nets <laughs> had signed michael beasley to be part <laughs> of this team and i was so excited we're gonna get be easy back in the nba i was so pumped he's one of my favorite players because he's I mean, he's maybe woke. he's not just based on a field. Yeah, exactly. He's the most woke player in the NBA, but he, within the span of like four days of signing the contract with the Nets, was confirmed to have coronavirus, and now they're just not bringing him anymore. So our one true God, Michael Beasley, is not going to be playing anymore. So at this point, I think the Nets are just going to lose all eight games they play because they have, <laughs> they don't have our our one true Lord and Savior with them.
2: <laughs> but, but I I really I do I still do think they're not going to lose as much as you think, compared to the Wizards. But, Luke, I don't know what you think.
1: Yeah, so I sent you guys an article, a couple uh, not really an article, but like a playoff prediction calculator yeah. by 538. I sent right. you guys that the other day. They have the Magic at a over 99% chance to make the playoffs, and that makes a lot of sense because they're at, down in Orlando at full strength on, like, the Wizards who don't have Beal and Bertans or the Nets who literally have a bunch of players that weren't on the roster a month ago. So. Right. They have the Wizards sitting at at a five percent chance, and that's because they're at the nine seed, and the and the Nets are ninety five percent chance. So the Nets are in the seven seed right now, the Magic, the eight seed, and then the Wizards at nine. The, what I wrote in my notes is basically like win predictions on some of these teams. I can't see the Nets winning more than two games, right? But two and six is enough for them to enough for them to stay away from the play in the Wizard if the if the Nets win two games, the Wizards have to win four just to force the play-in, and I don't think the Wizards are going to be are going to win four games. The Wizards have to play the Suns, the Nets, the Pacers, the Sixers, the Pelicans, the Thunder, the Bucks, and Boston, and that's going to be really really hard. They're not. I don't right. think they're going to win four of those games. I don't think and, they'll win any. And like, so I. So I mean, that's the Wizards could I, beat Phoenix. They could beat Brooklyn. And that's you know? that's what I was
0: looking at. I was looking at these. You know, for those of you who don't know, the NBA released each team has to play eight games before the playoffs start. Um, They released those schedules, those eight games for each team. And looking at it, even if the Nets go 0-8, which I doubt, considering they also play the Wizards, so more or less they just need to win that game and they'll probably get in. Looking at the Wizards schedule alone, five of the teams they play have winning records already. So odds are you're probably in a hole. And then you also need to beat these other competitive teams with losing records who honestly are probably better than you. If you look at some of the, I'm using air quotes, bad Western conference teams,
1: Northern, odds are see.
0: right. Exactly. The wizards are not going to be able to, to win enough games to match what, even if the nets stink, they're not gonna be able to do enough to force that play in and get in. So it will be the nets to me, at least just mathematically. I, and I think I, Luke, I, using that 538 article was a good example. Right. Um, but with that, So another question I got for you guys. So now that we kind of know which of our garbage teams is going to be the eight eight team, how does this impact the first round? So what does this mean for the Bucs playing the Nets in this case? Uh, And what does it mean for some of these other teams, since the Bucs, in my eyes, essentially get a first round buy
1: against this bad team? I mean, mean, it's going to make it so much easier for the Bucs. Even if you just think about the 2-7 matchup, we're all saying it's going to be the Magic there at seven. I th- I'm pretty sure they're tied with Brooklyn in the standings right now, so it, it, there's a good chance that the Magic will be that seven seed. The Magic are a much more difficult team than the replacement Nets or a depleted Wizards team. The Bucs basically have a first-round buy here, and you kind of have to think about the implications of that, where they play their eight games just like everybody else, and then they get a, f- a four-game easy first round, which means your players get the rest up. You're not playing against other teams, so you, can, you don't have to worry as much about your players catching COVID, right like you're you're just hanging out you're you and you're watching these other teams you're all right there so like the bucks are gonna get a lot of rest they're gonna be healthy and some of these other teams aren't gonna be there especially when you just look at some of the other matchups in the east so i mean it, it makes the the road to the finals so much easier for the bucks and they're the heavy favorites already so i mean i totally what, what? agree i mean i had i had pretty much identical
0: notes they saying. Not only do they have just the eight games, they basically have now a 12-game warm-up period to get their guys back in shape in a rhythm playing basketball where some of these other teams are going to have hard first-round matchups where they might go seven games. Um, and I think it's going to be really – it's going to be interesting because so it could benefit them and it could possibly hurt them that they're not necessarily getting those high-intensity reps in there. I don't necessarily see it that way, but maybe. I do think the bigger thing to look at for the Bucks, at a minimum, looking at just kind of the playoff picture here, is where the Sixers land. Because as we discussed on an earlier episode of our pod, the Pacers and the Sixers are tied for the – they have the same record right now tied for the fifth spot. So if they jump up and they play the Heat in the first round, the Bucs are going to have a pretty hard second-round matchup. And if the Sixers look good, they could beat the Heat. And honestly, if they, with a shortened rotation, they could be a threat to the Bucs. So I'm not necessarily saying that I think that that will happen. I just think it'll be interesting because I think – a well-rested Giannis is going to be formidable against a uh, you know a pretty motivated Sixers team with apparently Ben Simmons playing power forward and shooting three pointers, or you know if the Heat can keep something going. But yeah, I, I do think that essentially this does kind of clear a path for the Bucks. It's going to be a pretty easy road for them at least through the first you know month or so of
2: this of this but uh, bubble. I'm going to kind of contradict, but not. I'm I don't think I'm overly contradicting. You, you're saying an easy road, but I do think the Sixers – I said it in the podcast where we were still like speculating on what was going to be happening, and now that we know. I think the 76ers are going to bump the Pacers. I think the Sixers will move up, and I think they're going to demolish the heat. The reason being is they finally made a 2K-like move in putting Ben Simmons at full-time power forward, nice. which is I, – I was rocked when I saw that, but it was it's such a huge move. Horford off the bench, and they're putting Milton in as a starter, and he was – proving to be really really good. I think the Sixers are really not to be taken lightly despite their regular season woes. And to be honest, they do they do a number on Giannis every time they play. They're huge. And who's a better 4-5 combo now? If we're going to really
1: call Ben Simmons a 4, is there a better
2: 4-5 combo in the NBA
1: right now? Probably. I mean, if you wanted if you wanted to play LeBron at the 4 and Davis at the 5, right. you know, argue that one's better. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess you're right. Right. My, my big reservation about the Heat-Sixers matchup is because the Heat love to play zone. And yeah, you give a different dynamic when you move Simmons to the four, but you you still have shooting problems. Yeah, we've seen Shake Milton shoot and we know he can shoot, but in a playoff environment against a hard-working Heat team, is he can continue to shoot 35% from three? Uh, that's a exactly. question mark. Simmons. How comfortable is Simmons going to feel? You know, we see these reports of him trying to shoot more threes in practice, and
2: he's had all this time to
1: work on it, but you still don't know. And hopefully he's shooting better, uh, the three-pointers better than he is
0: throwing fish back to the ocean. There was a funny video that came out. I don't know if you guys saw it. Ben Simmons was in the bubble fishing. He's, like, holding up a fish, and he goes to throw it back in the ocean like, just drops it,
2: basically. It was the most pathetic <laughs> thing I've ever seen. Uh, I, I, but, I saw a lot of people make a big deal out of that. I, I'm such a Ben no, Simmons fan. so like I, I have too. I love I Simmons. Yeah, I agree.
0: But, all right, so I don't want to get in the weeds of that. I will say, Luke, you did mention my next question about the, the dumpster fire of the bottom of the Eastern Conference, which is the Magic falling at seven realistically, I don't see them beating either the Raptors or the Celtics, but what does them falling at seven necessarily mean for, you know, the landscape of the Eastern Conference playoffs, similarly how we just looked at what the Bucks have to face?
1: Like I said, the, the Magic are such a, such a tough, they're a much more prepared and tough opponent for any team that they're going to face. You have to remember last year, the Magic put the champion Raptors to six in the first round. And I was with Kawhi. They're going to play the Celtics or the Raptors, who both like to play small ball. I think the Magic are a very good small ball team as well. And I think it it like it makes it hard for the Raptors or the Celtics at two compared to the Bucks, right? If you're the Raptors or the Celtics, the Bucks are your biggest competition. And then you have to play the Magic, who are so much better than the replacement Nets or the depleted Wizards, and now you're tired going into your second round matchup and at the two seven you're going to be playing whoever's at the three six and that's that's most likely going to be uh raptor celtics pacers or sixers so it's going to be tough being two three four five six seven in the east is really really tough if the bucks get to play someone really bad in the first round no matter who you are right like i, j- I think the magic's at falling at seven just makes it easier for the bucks it's the best possible right. scenario for the bucks mm-hmm. i agree and i mean i was just looking at this roster i don't really think they have enough to throw at
0: and realistically it's going to be the raptors at two i don't think they have enough to really stifle them the only thing i will say is that they they can throw out some interesting lineups they have pretty versatile players who can play up and down positions so i think if you look at gordon uh jonathan isaac uh aminu uh ennis like they're gonna have some pretty fun flexible combinations at wing to to cover siakam But then you throw in, you know, Vucevic, Mo Bamba, who looks massive. It looks like you put on so much weight. You put on 30 Uh, pounds, right? Yeah, crazy. But then also they have a few guards who they can really mix and match with. with Fultz, Augustine, and even – I hate to be saying it. Well, Fournier, but I was going to say Michael Carter-Williams too. Like, they can really mix and match some lineups to try and figure out whatever the Raptors throw at them. I'm not saying it's going to be enough, but it'll be interesting, which I think exactly feeds into what you just said, Luke. Like, it makes – It makes it harder for whoever's at two and easier for the bucks at one so all right so i'm glad we got through that i won't bore anyone with the the bottom of the east anymore uh so i want to i want to you know switch gears a little bit um and look at the western conference and kind of the bottom of there as well because to me when the nba released these eight game schedules it became pretty obvious to me what the nba is looking for which is the lakers finishing at one and then zion and the pelicans finishing at eight because they want the lebron zion matchup first round because if you look at the eight games that the pelicans have scheduled it's the jazz the clippers the grizzlies the kings the wizards the spurs the kings and the magic so other than the jazz and the clippers they're against you know i'm gonna say bad teams but some of the worst teams it really does open the door for the pelicans versus some of these other schedules that these teams fighting for the eighth spot in the west have to play how do you guys feel about this? Do you agree with me that it
2: seems like we're pretty much slated for the LeBron Zion matchup, or no? Well, I, I mean, thanks to Luke's five thirty eight, the percentages for for the postseason and chances. I was just so shocked to see everyone counting Damian Lillard and the Blazers out. I think by and large, this the Pelicans' last eight games seems to be. I don't. I can't prove it, but it seems to be the easiest. They're playing the Kings twice. They're playing the Wizards and the Spurs. Like, come on, they're going to win Kings Wiz, Spurs Kings. They're going to win four games right there. Um, They'll probably, they'll probably, I I think it's,
1: I think it's wrong to doubt the Spurs. The Spurs are still a very, very good team, despite their record. And they probably won't make the playoffs, but they're still a very good team. And I, I, I wouldn't count the Spurs outmatching the Pelicans just based off the strength of Greg Popovich being their coach. I totally agree. My next question is, and you can answer this with
0: the Pelicans in mind, the Blazers in mind, or both. Do you think the Grizzlies are able to hold on? Um, And I'll list out their schedule for everyone as well. They have to play, the Grizzlies have to play the Blazers, the Spurs, the Pelicans, the Jazz, the Thunder, the Raptors, the Celtics, and the Bucks. Do you think with that schedule, they're able to hold on to the eighth spot?
2: Mike, you want to start? Yeah, you ready? Ready for this? Yeah. No. So, uh, <laughs> um, I think the Grizzlies don't hold on, which is sad. But maybe it's just me blindly rooting for the I, – I really do have a soft spot for the Blazers. Um, also, just going to say, skinny, athletic, mellow. What? Where did this come from? But he'll, he'll probably be a factor. Um, Dame's birthday party looked like a pretty unified and, like, happy Portland team. So, I just feel like they're together on this, and I think they have a goal in mind. They were in the Western Conference Finals last year. I think the Blazers will, will make their way, despite the fact that their schedule is pretty tough. But I, they're, they're playing the Grizzlies. They play the Grizzlies first, and that'll be telling to see. If they, they should try to beat the Grizzlies before they go into a pretty tough
1: schedule. I think I think the Blazers are just gonna come out and demoralize the Grizzlies. And like that'll be that for the Grizzlies. Just like you, Mike. Like I'm so big on this Blazers team. I don't even care what the numbers say. The 538 are. 538 article I sent you guys has the Pelicans at a 45% chance the Grizzlies at 38 and then the Blazers at 10%, which is surprising to me. I'm like, why would you ever doubt the Blazers out there tied with the Pelicans? I think the Blazers are a better team with, than the Pelicans, especially because I think they're going to be starting white side at center and then Nurkic comes in off the bench. So yeah, like, right. they don't have to rely on Nurkic, which I think is good, especially because he's coming back from such a terrible injury, but it gives like, like, side comes out, and then you replace him with Nurkic. It's like, what what are you supposed to do if you're an opposing team? You basically have to play a team with two starting centers. And Damian Lillard now has chemistry with both of them. And CJ McCollum is comfortable with... There's so many lineups they could give give to you now. It's like, I just don't see these, this Blazers team not making the playoffs. Whether it's through the play-in or they just outright have the eight seed, I cannot imagine them missing the playoffs. And it's, I, I feel so strongly about it because... Like, I know oh, so, how hard Damian right. Lloyd's going to go out there and play. So, And but. so my, my
0: reason for – my understanding of why the projection would have them lower is because if you look at their schedule, it's the Grizzlies, the Celtics, the Rockets, the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Sixers, the Mavericks, and the Nets. Yeah, I Basically, don't even care, though. No, but here's like, – so interesting. Here's the thing, though. In the middle there, when they're playing teams early on, like the Celtics, the Rockets, the Nuggets – and then potentially later on the, the 76ers, you have teams that are still going to be battling for seeding, who are going to be trying a little bit harder in these games versus some of these other teams. Realistically, if you look at, for example, the Grizzlies play the Bucks last, the last game, the Bucks are going to have they're going to have the first seed locked up. That's not going to matter. So Bucks. Doesn't might mean not they're going to go
1: easy. Giannis is still going to come out and destroy no. whoever's in front of him. No, but do you think he's going to play a full game? That's kind of the he'll thing. play thirty minutes. I don't know about that. Maybe.
0: That, but that's kind of my point. I think that's what they're factoring in is that they're going to have some more intense games. And that's why I think it is wide open. And I still think the Blazers are going to be the team to get in. But I do think the fix was kind of in when they were creating these schedules. They definitely, I feel like just based on the schedules alone, it looks like they want the Pelicans to get in. But again, I don't want to bore everyone with just talking about the quote unquote bad teams. What do you guys have on your return yeah, you know, return to action watch list. Um, what are the things that you want to look for most? It could be teams you want to see play, players, um, specific games, storylines, whatever. What is what are some of the first things that come to mind for you with this restart?
2: Can I can I
0: start? Yeah, yeah, hit me. Of course,
2: Luca. And I know that that sounds obvious, but it's not as obvious as you think. So the reason I say that is the Mavericks, the Rockets and the Thunder and kind of the Jazz are all tied four through seven. I forget if it was ESPN that just put out the top ten players in the bubble and Luca is seven. Like you're talking about a, a superstar on this team with Chris Stapps too, which I, I hate to say it, but he is. Like he's
1: Chris Stapps is good, despite yeah. you guys wanting to hate on him.
2: And and the whole team is good. And Carlisle is one of the best coaches in the NBA. I would not be shocked. I think the Rockets will jump to to maybe four. That's a bold it's a bold take, but I think the Mavericks have a, a jump to five in the West's potential, and I'm excited to watch what they do. And then my other second thing that I'm watching is the Nuggets and the Clippers. I I don't know. So what there.
0: I'll, I'll intercept that because the first thing I had was thin, sexy Jokic. That is the absolute number one thing I want to see. Is he going to be dogging it up and down the court anymore? Or is he going to be sprinting up and down like an actual basketball player now? If he I does mean, and is still as dominant, he's going to be a beast. He's literally he is going to be an amazing basketball player if he's actually in shape. Um, so that is for sure the thing I'm most interested in. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I get why you're saying that. Because I think the, the Nuggets are going to be a ton of fun. Like, I'm seeing videos of them at practice where they – I mean, I don't even know what they're doing. Like, their team chemistry seems off the charts. Um, so, I think it's going to be – They have a lot of
1: continuity. That seems yes. basically the same from last year. So Exactly.
0: I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And, Luke, I didn't mean to cut you
1: off. What were you going to say? Yeah, and we talk about skinny Jokic, but we also have to remember a skinny, rested Harding could also be a lot of problems. So, Mike yes. making that, that like, rockets to four – like. That could 100% happen. James Harden could easily average 50. James Harden could drop 60 eight games straight. I'm not mm-hmm. yet, like not worried about it. The, right. Harden will lift this team no matter what. And, and so not- I think that's the other thing to point out with them is Westbrook and Harden
0: already had coronavirus and have since joined the team. So there's no threat, I mean, to my understanding. Yeah, they're going to go
1: so hard. It's, of them getting it
0: again. So there's no chance they miss games because of it now. They're going to just have everything in the tank and they're going to go for it. And I think it's going to be fun. Um, and I do. I think there's a shot that they move up. But I also think in looking at them moving up, one of the other things I'm interested in, in and we talked about it earlier, is the jazz chemistry issues. Because I think that they're yeah. going to plummet and it's not going to look good. Because there's all these reports coming about out about how Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell are just not friends. And they're just like, yeah, we're going to put it aside and try and go for a championship. And it's obviously not going to work.
1: Um, so I, I think that's going to be interesting. I I've just absolutely... Thrown away my love for the Jazz. I just they're gonna they're not gonna treat these games <laughs> real, and I kind of hate it. What, top of my watch list are, are two of the most electrifying guards in the league, and that's Damian Lillard and John Morant. Think about all the people right now who are saying like the Grizzlies won't hold on to the eight seed. You, you know what John Morant's doing right now in his room? He's like sitting there like meditating on all that hate, and he's just gonna come out. He's gonna. He, I think John Morant is gonna average like thirty-seven and seven. Like I like. I'm so awesome. excited to watch John Morant just go off. And then, like I said, like everybody's also doubting just like Morant and all that he's meditating on all this doubt. So is Damian Lillard. If Damian Lillard, I I'm telling you, Harden's going to go off for like 50 a game. If Damian Lillard isn't going off for the same scoring numbers, I'd be shocked. I can't yeah. imagine Damian Lillard not scoring 45 to 50 points a game. Definitely. And, and I mean, I think that's,
0: it's interesting. We're, we're naming a lot of individual players. I And kind of to keep that going, I think it would be a sin if we didn't mention this. Playoff LeBron and the Lakers getting to play with where LeBron is playing with the best teammate he's ever had in Anthony Davis. It's mm-hmm. going to be spe- it's truly going to be special. And I think even some of these tune up games where maybe they're not playing that hard because they already have the, the one seed locked up. I am so excited to see what they do because it is it is truly going to be magnificent. Like, I, I mean, we've seen LeBron do some amazing things and I know he's older, but this is going to be truly one of his best displays of basketball and I'm so excited for it. And I think we would have done a disservice if we didn't mention it and I'm surprised it's the first thing that didn't come out of our mouths because I, I do. I think we kind of take him for granted, but what he and Anthony Davis are about to do is going to be unbelievable. So
1: that's... We, ex- we expect it from LeBron. Like, if LeBron didn't average a triple-double for like this entire Orlando restart, I'd be like, and he's not the GOAT anymore. Like, I just expect him to do it. And that's why I'm not
0: overly excited to
1: watch him play. I'm like, I'm going to flip on the Lakers-Clippers game on the first night, and I'm just going to watch LeBron be great, and it won't shock me. It won't be, like, interesting to me. I'll be like, ah, that's LeBron, right? Like, but if I turned on the TV and I saw John Morant dunking on Aaron Baines every other play, like, I'd be like, wow, John Morant's really, like, exciting to watch, right? So – yeah, I 100 percent agree with you. So, like we just kind of dismiss it,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? Uh, so,
1: so, so quickly Mike,
0: now.
2: Oh, Michael, go. Yeah. Um, no, just to touch on some of the things you were saying briefly. Um, I'm drinking my Bud Light like the the Kermit meme with the tea about <laughs> about about Gobert saying that the snitch line is is petty. It's important. People need to be hundred percent So, hey, that absolutely, was, stay safe. That was a moment where I was like. Gobert the problem on this team. So I don't want to go down a, a, a big rabbit yes. hole about what the Jazz need to do, but it's key seems to be the issue, <laughs> but maybe Yes. I'm wrong. No, I'm stuck, up, stuck up Frenchman. And It's then, tough. And then, yeah, Matthew, you're right. The, the team that I'm going to watch every single, I'm going to watch every single game as it is, but the Lakers, I'm watching every single one cannot wait. And also LeBron's 35. I'm taking advantage of however much longer I can watch him because like I said to Luke earlier in text earlier this week, I got the chills watching the block. I looked it up on YouTube and I just got the chills. <laughs> Every uh, time. And then um, just a, a last intriguing thing. I hope Jason Tatum has a historic defining postseason. Uh, it doesn't matter if they get to the Western uh, Eastern Conference Finals or the, just the second round, but something special just to continue his, his, I agree. his growth. I agree.
0: I think, I think what he was doing before the NBA shut down back in February into March – um, was magnificent. I think this is an opportunity for him to really propel himself into superstardom. And this could really be the start of that. Um, if he can show that he's able to take over, especially in a playoff atmosphere. Um, I know it's a little different now, but I totally agree. Like that's something I'm looking for too. Cause if he can keep that up, the Celtics could easily get to the finals cause they are a fantastic team too. But all right. So with that, those are, those are my early questions. Uh, I have some more. They're a little different. They're not necessarily about the restart itself. So let's take a quick break uh, and then we'll get back in here. I have some more questions for you guys about uh, the draft and then just kind of the shifting schedule as a whole. So, all right, one sec, we'll be right back. Hey everyone, if you like what you've been hearing on today's episode and want to stay connected with us, feel free to follow us on Twitter at Hoop Troop NBA. Also, if you want to share some feedback, have any questions or topics you'd like for us to discuss on the show, shoot us an email at the thehooptrooppodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning in. All right, everyone. Welcome back. So now I want to switch gears a little bit, and we just looked at everyone involved in the Orlando bubble. Uh, and I want to transition a bit, look at the Delete 8, or the 8 teams who were not invited to the Orlando bubble uh, and won't be having the privilege of restarting and what this means for the draft. Now that we have at least eight teams locked into the lottery, I'm going to start this off. My first question I want to ask about these teams because there have been mumblings and I know I'm going to try and keep this to a minimum because I am a Knicks fan and I'm excited. LaMelo Ball's camp wants him to be a Nick How do you guys feel about this? What are your thoughts? Do you think it's possible? Do you want it to happen?
2: What do you, what do you think?
1: Mike, you're the other Knicks fan. So I know go for and it.
2: I, I'll the disclaimer is we're pupils of the game as a whole. So I, I know this is not a Knicks podcast, but I'm glad we have a little bit of time to talk about it. Yeah. I want this to happen. And didn't his manager or something come out and definitively say that those rumors aren't true, that they're not angling for this, but who knows? I think they are. I think Lavar Le- wants the big market and the big market kind of wants him. I just think we've passed or we've just missed the quote unquote most exciting or savior pick of the draft every time we haven't gotten that person. And why don't we just try it? Like we've not had it before. The last one I would probably say is Ewing was us. We picked the person thinking they were a, a game changer. So why don't we do that? I think that's so, that awesome. It just, I know there's circumstances that need and to And that's,
0: that's kind of the point I was going to make next was that right now they're sitting around seventh. Uh, If they stay there, they're not going to get him. He's going to be gone before that point. And I don't think it's worth trading up. I think there are replacement-level point guards, if you're going to take a point guard in this draft, who will fall to you, whether it's Therese Halliburton or Killian Hayes or someone of that nature. If they fall, which they probably will, realistically, one of those guards will be there for you. You take who's there. Which kind of leads me, and not to, again, harp on the Knicks even more, if the plan is to trade for Chris Paul, he's going to be starting anyway part of me thinks you trade Kevin Knox and you draft a wing. So maybe you draft Denny Avija uh, out of Israel or someone part like of that. Israel. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I do, I was going to get peak Luke's interest, but I think you do <laughs> maybe look at it that way. Maybe the point guard is not in the cards this year and you try and look in another direction. If your plan really is to have Chris Paul on the team. Um, yeah. So I don't think you live and die by LaMelo. Do I want him? Yeah. Do I want LaVar courtside? Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. I <laughs> but like, I don't, I don't think he is this savior. I don't think he is. He's not going to be this prolific player. And if he is awesome, fantastic, but this is a down draft. And I think, you know, generally speaking, you're going to be able to find someone who is on par with Lamella.
1: I, I just, I went to our favorite website, tankathon. And I just hit the SIM lottery. Mm, nice. The Knicks on tankathon got the first pick. They drafted hey, Lamella. look at that. All right? There you go. Totally, <laughs> totally random. And it works out for you guys. But I, I 100% agree. So, I mean, if you're going to trip for Chris Paul, trip for Chris Paul. I think outside of LaMelo Ball and James Wiseman, anybody you draft isn't going to be a game changer. They're going to be somewhere between a role player and an all-star. I don't see a lot of huge potential in this draft. Some of the other guys I like, I love Danny Avita. I think he has huge upside. But more realistically, I think he'll fall in that, like, fringe superstar, most likely a uh, all-star level at his peak you guys like uh who Mm -hmm. i talk about a lot when we talk about the warriors like i think he i think he'll be an all-star level piece i think he's a great defender and i think he's like a good role man type thing so but more realistically i think the knicks will be looking at a tyrese halberton or killian hayes if you're going to draft a point guard and in my opinion tyrese halberton will always be a role player i don't think he'll ever be a superstar and killian hayes has Mm -hmm. that superstar potential but we're not really sure yet right it's it's intriguing a six five hundred ninety pound point guard who can get on and run. I was actually watching some of this film the other day. He's not like an athletic guy, but he seems to have all these counter moves in him, kind of like a Luka Doncic, which, which is really intriguing, especially with a big guard at six five. So yeah, you, you don't really know. And it might not, yeah, I don't think you guys should trade up. I think you should just take what you get and see how it works out. So, so now
0: Luke, you mentioned Wiseman,
1: and I think the general assumption
0: here is, and this is was my next question. The Warriors are slated to have the number one pick. Whether it stays, who knows? We'll see when the lottery happens uh, in August. Um, but for the time being, they are one. With the first pick, do you think the Warriors take Wiseman? Or do you think it's bolder for them to trade it away? What would you like to see the Warriors do with this pick?
1: If I was the Warriors, no matter where I land in this draft, my first target and my only target at uh, at a top five pick is Onyeka Okongwu. I mm-hmm. don't know if I'm saying his name right or not, but... I mean, when you when you really think about what the Warriors need and what they're going to look like next year, they're bringing back Curry. They're bringing back Thompson. They have Wiggins at three. They have Yay. Draymond at 4-5, right? So you need another 4-5 and all I, all I ever hear about this kid coming out of USC is that he's a versatile defender. Not only is he going to protect your rim, but he's going to step out. He can guard a one or two. Maybe not so much the elite point guards like, uh, you know, a Damian Lillard or a Chris Paul. Maybe he can't guard those guys, but He's, he's very switchable. And I think he fits so well in that system defensively. And then on offense, you get exactly what you need as well, where it's like, I set screens and I dunk basketballs and that's all the Warriors need, right? Thompson and Curry right. will take care of everything else. And you have Draymond there. You can space the floor a little bit. He's a great passer. So, I mean, I think Wiseman's a great player, but I don't think he's right for this warrior team. I think it would be better for wise, both for Wiseman and the Warriors, if Wiseman ended up somewhere else like Cleveland or, Atlanta or the bulls or something like that. So, I mean, we'll see what happens, but in my opinion, Warriors have to stick with Okonkwo. Interesting. See, my
0: thought here is my initial reaction is I would like to see them try and move the pick and whether that is to try and bring in, you know, a deeper bench or a center to go alongside um, you get some sort of veteran presence. And I think teams would be willing to overpay maybe give future picks, something like that to have a first pick in this draft potentially Um, So that would be my first inkling. But then I think, you know, Wiseman and Okongwu probably realistically, if you're drafting on fit, make the most sense. But for me, the guy in this draft who and I know we keep talking about him, who seems the most warriors is Denny Avija. Because to me, you know, playing small forward, he ever since the restart in Israel where he's been playing, he's been shooting the lights out. Um, and he just seems to have the Warriors feel. You know how they have that certain culture and energy. He seems Rarely like moves the
1: ball and blah blah blah. Yeah.
0: In this draft, he feels the most Warriors to me. Um, but I, I do, I would like to see them move it. Also, just because I think it would be interesting and fun to watch around the draft. But so now that we've kind of covered two teams that I find particularly interesting in the draft, uh, one thing I do want to note about the draft is that it is very point guard heavy. But the teams in the lottery don't necessarily need point guards or guards for that matter. So if I'm just going to read off the first few se- the first few seeds I'm calling them at the bottom uh, right now is the Warriors don't need a guard. Uh, Cleveland doesn't need a guard because they've drafted two of the last two drafts. The Timberwolves just traded for D'Angelo Russell. The Hawks have Trey young, the Pistons probably need a point guard. The Knicks probably need a guard. Um, but mind you, the Pistons do have Derek Rose. And of course the Knicks have Frank Nielakina. Um, but then you have the Bulls who, um, uh, they just drafted, uh, what's his name? Totally. Kobe phenomenal. White. Kobe White. Thank you. The Hornets, uh, Terry, they just signed Terry Rozier. They probably do need a younger guard, but they, you know, they have one as of now. The Wizards are currently slated for ninth. Do they need a guard? Probably not considering they have John Wall, Bradley Beal. So like you look at all these teams, the Suns, I guess, would need one at 10 if they are there, but like none of these teams need guards and it's guard heavy. So I think it's going to be super interesting what happens in this draft. I feel like teams are going to move around or you know try and trade down or trade into future drafts because no one really
2: needs what's available. What do you guys think? Mike? So, Matthew, I didn't know if you were going to bring this up. I wasn't sure because I was going to interrupt and say everyone in front of New York besides Detroit doesn't need a point card. We're getting LaMelo. Like we're getting LaMelo. It's happening.
0: I don't know because that's I, the thing. Yeah, But anyway, if, keep going.
2: If no. we have our pick, I don't think we're taking – which might be a mistake. I don't think we're taking Wiseman or Denny. I think we would take Lamelo. Um but, but I think like, it depends who's there. Like you said, this is gonna be a weird draft because it just doesn't feel like anybody needs anyone. And like Luke said, no one no one is really wowing anyone or the ceiling for these people, um, these players are if all, all star fringe. So it, it which who who can predict these things, but that's why this will be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if Golden, Golden State gave up the pick. But I, I still think there's a strong chance we get LaMelo. Lonzo wound up in, in LA.
1: I'll just leave it there. <laughs> uh, you guys talk about the Pistons in the guard really bad. And you bring up Derek Rose, but Derek Rose won't be in their long term plans. So, no. I mean, the Pistons are really a team that's looking for literally anybody. <laughs> and so, right. The, I think what's going to happen with the, the Pistons is they're going to try and draft the highest potential player on the board when it's their pick, whether they get the first pick, if they get the first pick, they're drafting Wiseman or LaMelo. If they have the third pick and they can't get LaMelo or Wiseman, then they're going to draft Anthony Edwards, who, who six, five, 225 pounds has got this big frame. You know, he, he can, he has ball skills. He can play anywhere between one through three. So even if the Pistons do land in front of the Knicks and it like you pose this question like if the pistons have to pick between Lamelo and edwards are they going to pick Lamello or are they going to pick edwards you know right in my opinion i, I think the pistons are going to draft anthony edwards only because you it's easier to take a risk on a wing than a point guard it takes so long for a point guard to be good but you can kind of tell when a wing is good right away it's like Justin tatum comes in the league you're like wow he's really good right same thing with Jalen brown you think about some of these guys who get drafted in recent years like it's really easy to draft a two, three rather than a one. Right. So, I agree. So
0: I do. I think it. I think it will be interesting because a lot of teams are going to have a draft unfit.
1: There's a couple who are
0: probably best available, but realistically more fit based. So it will. It's going to be the top.
1: A lot of right. these teams at the top have players in place. You talk a exactly. lot about, about the Hawks. Like when the Hawks get up at four, who are they supposed to draft? They don't need a guard. They don't need a big. Absolutely. They have Clint Capella. They have and John, John Collins. Collins. So Like guys like Obi Toppin would be really, really attractive to the Hawks team. So it's a big question mark. Exactly. All right, cool. So you guys have satisfied my my
0: draft questions. I am going to quickly transition this a little bit because still kind of in the spirit of the restart, we are looking at the NBA playoffs extending into October of this year-ish. And the NFL season is expected to start September 10th. How do you anticipate the relationship between the NBA and the NFL going into this? Do you think they're going to compete? How do you think this is going to affect, you know, NBA ratings? Cause obviously they're going to try and make so much money off the finals if they can, but if they're competing dates, stuff like that, what do you guys think? Do you think this is going to be an issue? I think
1: it will be. I think if you're an NFL fan, you probably don't mind watching basketball, which helps the NBA out, right? So when, when the Super Bowl happens and the NFL fans don't have anything else to watch, they probably click on the NBA and it does good for the NBA. But here's the NBA getting to the end of their season. They want viewership to be high. And then all of a sudden the NFL comes on. All those NFL fans aren't going to care about Thursday night or Sunday night basketball. They're going to turn on the football games. So you also have to, like – it's one thing to think about all the NFL fans moving from the NBA back to the NFL. If the NFL does decide to start up, but you also have to remember that basketball is played almost every day, right? Like any day of the week, you could turn on the TV and there's a nationally televised game, especially now that we're in the playoffs. And I, I know ESPN, these other schedules, football only happens three nights a week, Sunday, Monday, Thursday. So if the NBA can kind of load all their games, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, it might work out. Okay. But right. Wow. And so I had the
0: same thought, and I think it is more likely that NFL fans will probably watch. If you're if you're talking like the casual fan, you're probably gonna watch your team's one game. If say Monday Night Football, your team is playing Monday Night Football versus, you know, you're watching an NBA Conference Finals game on a Monday. If your team's playing Monday Night Football, you're probably gonna watch that instead of the Conference Finals. It just probably would happen that way. Um, so I do think it could be an issue, but I still think the the gravity of having playoff games versus these football games, most people would realistically tune into the playoff games is my thought. Um, But I don't know. I think it'll be interesting. I do think it'll probably affect both of them. But I think it's also worth noting that these leagues have already been competing. Granted, it was like the NBA regular season and the NFL playoffs, but they were still going head to head at some point. And so I think There's already been some sort of relationship here. And I think you're gonna have enough hungry fans watching both that it probably won't be too big of an issue. I think it's more interesting to look at what happens next season. Um, So if the NBA, for example, decides to start the season in December, so maybe they have a Christmas kickoff or something, I saw that rumored. Mm -hmm. How does this then, you're gonna have the NFL in the middle of their season, kind of similar to how it was before, competing against the NBA regular season, Playoffs, whatever. But then the NBA would go into the summer. How do you view this change? Do you think it benefits the NBA, hurts the NBA? And then I guess looking at baseball and the NFL as well, because those are probably the two who would,
1: you know, most nah, be disrupted nobody ca- by nobody, this. Nobody cares about baseball, really. Right. Uh, I'm not going. I'm not going to lie. I, I don't know how many people actually turn into the tune into the baseball games. Let's go, Mets, uh, baby! It's our year. <laughs> yeah, it's always it's always your year until you miss our the year. playoffs and are trash. Mike, you want you want to talk about the the ship it schedule a little bit?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the NBA has a, a pretty strategic opportunity to try to push their league pass a little more. The way that mm. I'm the way that I'm envisioning my December shaking out is I feel like more people like putting an NFL game on a big TV in a room, but I'm gonna have my laptop and I'm gonna have my NBA HQ set up on my laptop. And I imagine hungry sports fans like me, I'm, and it's we—it's a different perspective because I'm not a huge football guy. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it's going to be a lot of multitasking in the family room where there's a, a laptop open with league pass, watching an NBA game um, while there's Sunday football on. Or I, I still don't think there's too much of an overlap because the week nights when you're waiting all week for a football game, you can satisfy the urge a little bit, even if you're not the biggest NBA fan with – NBA games during the week. So I, I really don't think they step on each other's toes. And then the NBA recoups any losses it's incurring by competing with the, the football season in the summer. They're just going to dominate the summer and they're going to make a ton of revenue off of that. And it's the, really the only thing you can watch. I'm a, I'm a big Yankees fan, but Luke is right. Even during the regular season of baseball, it's not as exciting as the one month of October. So I, I, I think that the NBA doesn't have much to worry about because the summer is going to be so huge for them. And that's- I just,
0: Yeah, that's kind of where my head goes too. right now. You might take a hit. fine. You have a tough, you know, end of your season competing with the NFL. But realistically, you're going to make all that back and more when the only thing you're competing against in the summer, when it's just the NBA versus the MLB, is that people probably football fans, if they had to pick, they're going to watch the NBA instead of baseball. And so if you're going to have games on every night, the NBA is probably going to win. The MLB is probably the one league here that should be worried. I think generally it's probably a net positive for the NFL and the NBA because I think they'll compete less. And so other than this fall, I really actually think that
1: this is going to be a net positive for both of those leagues. It's just so hard because baseball's so slow. And if you think about the attention span of the average viewer, <laughs> like,
2: it's a dying. I want
1: to, I want to, I want to keep, keep the action going, right? I want to, I want to see a rebound get grabbed and someone run down and dunk something, right? Like it's exciting to watch Giannis, it's exciting to watch John Morant. It's,
0: but let's like just, let's just really click I,
1: I, I have to wait 30 seconds between each Cinder guard pitch. It's like, come on, right? Like I just <laughs> want to see you get in there and like pitch some stuff and have somebody smack a home run and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean it definitely it is. It's it's a dying game.
0: But yeah, I mean I think it does speak to kind of the future of the NBA. I think even despite everything going on with COVID and how it's disrupted everything, uh, that this league is for sure around to stay. I think it does absolutely captivate the people who love it. I think even casual fans appreciate it and they can sit down and watch any random game because it is so fast paced and it is intriguing. And so I do, I think with that, there is something for the NBA to be hopeful for. And I think that, you know, the future is realistically bright for them, even if, you know, in the short term, it's a little tough uh, financially for them. I think generally speaking, the future is bright. But with that, you guys have answered all of my questions. Uh, so thank you for uh, <laughs> letting me pick your brains. And You're For all of those uh, who decided to tune in and listen, I hope you guys appreciated all that we talked about here. Thank you for tuning into our episode. Uh, This was the Hoop Troop podcast. I would imagine the next time you're gonna be hearing from us, we might have some games starting up or have already started. So if you appreciated what we had to hear uh, or what we had to say, excuse me, before the NBA was actually actively going on, You're going to want to hear what we have to say when the NBA does start up because there's going to be so much to talk about uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, So thanks. Stay safe out there with uh, COVID and everything going on. Uh, And thanks for listening.